Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. So Hebrews chapter 11, a verse on faith that is often taught and has often been heard. And I want to point out today from it, I don't, so, I don't want to so much teach on faith as much as I want to teach on the relationship between faith and hope. Our expectation, or our hope, makes our faith come alive. It is the expression of what we truly believe. Can I submit to your thinking this morning that what you truly believe will manifest itself in what you expect to happen. That's just true. So faith and hope are not the same thing. Faith is what we believe. Hope is our expectation of what we believe to come to pass. In other words, if Brother Josh said to me, I'm going to use him as an example because he helped me with the pulpit. Thank you, sir. So you're fresh on my mind. If Brother Josh said to me, you know, he said, I, I just decided that I'm going to give you $1 million. I would say that's pretty great. Yeah. I'd say you'd probably like that too, right? Because it would mean that you would have at least a million dollars. That's pretty good. Yeah. It would be a good deal for everybody. So, so let's say that he came to me and said, listen, I want to I give you a million dollars. Now, I have to decide in that moment if I believe him. Right? There's, a, there's, there's always a decision moment. There's always, a, 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 the Bible talks about the valley of decision, the point of decision. And the scripture says that there are multitudes in the valley of decision. That there are so many people who, when it came time to make a decision, just stood there trying to make a decision and then just stayed there for a long time. Anybody ever been paralyzed by the fear of decision-making? Yeah, amen, me too. Well, it's interesting because I think a lot of people actually live there all the time. That we, we get the opportunity when we hear the word of God, when a proclamation of God's word is made to us, even when we're reading it for ourselves, we are always given a decision as to whether or not we're going to believe what was communicated to us. That's where faith happens. That's what faith looks like. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? The word of God. You're not going to have faith apart from God's word. Don't bother trying. Amen. So many of us try to build our faith by what we confess. So we watch our mouth real good so that nothing bad comes out of our mouth, hoping that that's going to build our faith. It's not. The Bible is what builds your faith. The Word of God is what builds your faith. Don't try to have faith apart from the Word. Amen. But when the Word comes, recognize and understand that you're being given a choice to either believe or question what you're reading or what you're hearing. 
That's why skepticism, when, while it can be helpful in certain areas, can be very dangerous in the life of the Christian when it comes to the Bible. Don't let skepticism talk you out of what God said belongs to you. And so faith is when we, receive, we, we hear the word of God, just like my conversation with Josh. I'm going to give you a million dollars. I got to decide, do I believe that? Once I've decided whether or not I believe it, and I've, de- and I've chosen to believe it, then now I've got to decide what to do with the decision that I've made to believe. Now I've got to decide, what do I expect to happen? Right? If he says, I'm going to give you a million dollars, and here's what I want you to do, I want you to meet me at the Wendy's intersection at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, I don't know why I always make these analogies and these examples so early in the morning. I'm an early riser, so it works for me. 4.30, I'm going to meet you at 4.30 at the Wendy's intersection, and I will have a big bag with a big dollar sign on it to hand to you. Well, okay, I've already chosen to believe him, so now what? Now, whether I expect that to happen or not is going to determine what time I set my alarm for. It's going to determine whether or not I get up, get in my car, preheat it because it's cold out, drive from my house to the Wendy's intersection, which is about 17 minutes. And at four in the morning, maybe I get there in 15, but hey. What happens when I pull into the parking lot and my decision to believe and the action provoked by my expectation all comes into alignment and I pull into the parking lot and there he is with the bag of money. You see, I could believe that he wants to give it to me and never let myself expect that he actually would. And that's where most people go off the tracks. That's where so many miss out on God's best because they've made a decision that I can trust God. He's God after all. This is his word after all. I mean, he said he would never leave me and he would never forsake me, but I feel really alone right now. But his word says that he would never leave me. I believe that it's his word. I believe he can't lie. I believe he's telling the truth. I just don't expect it to happen for me. Maybe it'll happen for somebody else. Or maybe it'll happen some other time. See, this is one of the big, this is one of the big issues and one of the big things that the enemy tries to use in our life is this idea of not you or not yet. (laughs) If you're taking notes, you may want to write those two down. Not you, not yet. Oh, well, I believe that God is a restorer of hearts, just not me. My need is so significant, my wound is so bad, even God himself can't fix it, not me. Boy, isn't arrogance a funny thing? Isn't pride a funny thing when it wiggles its way into your thinking? Not me. Or maybe, yeah, that's, praise God, I believe that, I expect that to happen, just not today. Man, I'll tell you what, the enemy loves that one, the not today. He loves that thought. 
That, that not today thought has kept more Christians from praying for the sick, from talking to somebody about Jesus, from, from actually, you know, reaching, picking up the phone to call a friend to restore a relationship. That not today idea has gotten enough Christians to just not do the thing God's prompting them to do. Our expectation becomes very limited. And even though we believe God, faith is the substance of things we hope for or the things we expect to come to pass. So I believe God's a healer. I believe he'll heal me. Just not today. I'm going to have to wait another day. I believe God's a restorer of relationships. And I believe he really wants me to walk in fellowship with so-and-so. And I know it's been a tough go of things. And, and you know, I, I really believe that it'll be great one day when that happens. Boy, it'll be so good when me and Johnny are talking again. Just not today. Our expectation, our hope, makes our faith come alive. It's the expression of what we truly believe. What you truly believe will always be evidenced in what you expect. If my wife tells me that she loves me, but I never expect for that love to be shown in any way, both of us could go the next 10 years missing out on what we both truly believe on the inside. I love her, she loves me, but if we don't ever express it, and if we don't ever put some expectation on the fact that we're going to love each other enough to say, I love you, and give her a kiss in the morning, give her a hug, amen. If, if that expectation doesn't come out, boy, it's an indication of what I truly believe. I truly believe that she loves me, but just not enough to tell me so. And boy, do we do God like that. Amen. We do God like that all the time. Man, I believe he's a good God. Just to somebody else who has more needs than me. Once again, arrogance finds its way in there. Amen. Well, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. First, <laughs> first comes faith. Let's look at this scripture again. You can put it back up on the screen. First comes faith, then comes expectation, then comes experience. If you're taking notes, that's another one to write down. First comes faith, then comes expectation, then comes experience. Now, faith is the substance of things we hoped for, the evidence of things we cannot see. Your faith by itself is the evidence that what God has said is true. Hallelujah. Because who would be crazy enough to believe something that's not true after all? <laughs> First comes faith, then comes expectation, then comes experience. Faith is what we believe about God. Amen. Faith is what we believe about God. I mean, you have some beliefs. I've used this example before. But it's a good one. You have some beliefs about the chair that you're sitting in today. Like you believe it's going to support you. If it was, if, if one of the legs was just a little bit broke, you probably wouldn't sit in it. Right? But no, you believe that that chair will support you. Why? Because you've been supported by chairs your whole life. Right? 
you've got some experience that says, I can trust chairs. Yeah. I can trust chairs. You know, from way back in the first grade, I can remember. I can remember sitting in a chair and it holding me up. And all down through the years, man, chairs have been good to me. They've been there for me when I needed a place to sit. And you can, you can wax poetic and get reminiscent and think all about how chairs have supported you so that the next time you see this chair, you go, that's a safe place. I can sit there. And that's natural faith. That's, na- that's not even spiritual. That's not even supernatural God faith. That's just, that's just walking around casual everyday chair faith. <laughs> right? That's something, that's faith in something natural. What about faith in the God who's never left you? I mean, what if you, what if you went through the same exercise and went back in your mind and said, you know what? I can remember back in the first grade that my Sunday school teacher told me that Jesus loved me. And that sounded like a good thing. And so I decided to trust in Jesus with my life that day. And then I can remember in the sixth grade when people used to make fun of me and pick on me for being short. And I remember praying and talking to Jesus and how the Lord in that moment encouraged me and began to build me up. And then I can remember that time that I got sick and I asked the Lord to heal me. And I looked at Isaiah 53 and said, by Jesus stripes, I'm healed. And I believed in it then. And he came through in that situation too. And time again and time again and time again, just like every chair you've ever sat in has supported you, God has never left you. He's never forsaken you. And if you looked over your shoulder, you'd find ample evidence that his word is true. So why not let our faith begin to inform our expectation? Faith is what we believe about God. It's, It's what we've seen and understood based on a few things. I'm going to go through this really fast because I got somewhere to get to, and I'm already past. 50, I got less than 15 minutes. This is the basis for our faith. Are you ready for this? The basis for our faith. We've already said is the word. What he has spoken, and what he is continuing to speak from his word to your heart every single day. That's why the Bible says, "Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." So number one basis for our faith is his word. Did you know that number two basis for our faith, according to scripture, do you want to know this? This is going to mess with your theology. The world around us, nature, the physical world around us can be evidence and a basis for our faith. We say, well, that doesn't make sense. Sure does. When you go read the book of Psalms, when you read Paul writing to the Romans, David said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. The scripture says that the the stars are singing the praises of God. Jesus turned to the disciples and said, if these will not praise me, or if you won't praise me, these rocks will praise me. Nature around us, the more you look at it and the more intense you study it, the more you see the fingerprints of God everywhere. Now, don't get these in the wrong order. Amen? I just want to go have church in the woods. Okay, well, have fun. Don't get bit by a snake. 
The word comes first and foremost. The word is the primary place. We were, Tim and I were talking about it the other day. This is the primary place where God speaks to us. The first place. But how many of you know, if you know the word and you know that God is true and you have a relationship with him, you can watch, you can catch a sunset up on the parkway and be moved to tears at the presence of God. You can see the presence of God all over the place. The third is our experiences. This one will really mess with your theology. These three things can inform our faith, but only if they're in the right order. God's word first. The world around me second. My experience is third. Because if you've believed in God's word, then your experience should be God came through. Amen. Our problem is when we put them in the wrong order. We try to let our experiences determine and decide what God's word says. That's very dangerous, folks. Don't do that. So our faith is what we believe about God. Now, I hope are the, as I said, are the expectations and the action that comes behind what I believe. I believe Josh has got a million bucks. I believe he wants to give it to me. And he just said, I got to meet him at 5 a.m. at the Wendy's, you know, uh, intersection. So my expectation now is better set your alarm. Better make sure your clothes are laid out so you can meet Josh. My belief about something is what frames my expectations about it. My, what I expect always points back to what I believe. And I'm going to give you a very good biblical example of this in just a moment. Our expectation creates opportunities for God to move in our lives. Miraculous experiences follow faith-filled expectation. You can see it over and over and over and over again through the scripture. What did Jesus say to the father of the boy with epilepsy in the book of Luke? The the disciples couldn't cast the devil out of this kid. They tried and tried and failed. And the father brings the child to Jesus and says, I went to your disciples to see if they could help me, but they couldn't. And and he says, "If if you will, if you can, Have mercy on us. He asked Jesus, if you can do this, because I already tried the disciples. They said they listen to you and do everything the way you do, but whatever they did didn't work. So can you help me? And he said, what did Jesus say back to him? What did Jesus say back to him? He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So our expectation in that being true is what creates opportunities for God to actually do something in our life. If I believe that that's true, I need to start expecting it to actually happen. Just like your kids expect something good in the present on Christmas morning. Right? They know the presents are there. They know what they've asked for. Right? They know you went shopping. I mean, they're the gifts. They're right there. They're under the tree. They've been wrapped. Somebody took time. And so what do they do? They wake up on Christmas morning 
and they can't wait to tear into the presence. Why? Because they expect something is good underneath that wrapper. I can't see it, but I know mom and dad would not give me coal again this year. I know. I believe. I have faith. I believe that God is good. I believe that his promises are sure. I believe that his word is steadfast. Let me get into that present. I know that there's something good on the inside of that. So I will wake up very early on Christmas morning with excitement. That's what expectation looks like. I'm going to have you turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read the story of the woman with the issue of blood. As you're turning there, let me say this real quick. There's a thought that hit me this morning. Don't, don't confuse faith and expectation with desire. Just, just think about that. Just say la that for a second. Don't confuse faith and expectation with desire. Desire is very necessary. And actually, desire is usually the thing that prompts us to ask God for something. It, it desires the thing that prompts us to go to the Word, to see what, his, see what His Word says. So desire is very necessary. It's just not the same thing as faith and expectation. Desire is not bad. It's just that sometimes we confuse desire with faith. We think that just if we want something bad enough, we'll get it. Y'all following me? This is a very important point, so I just sandwiched it between this and the, and the verse we're going to read. But, but, but this is something to really think about and understand. Desire is absolutely necessary, but it is not faith and it is not hope. And just because you want something super bad doesn't mean you're going to get it. Just because you want to have peace in your heart doesn't mean you're going to get it. However, if you'll go to the Word and trust in the Word and see what the Bible actually says about having peace in your heart and having peace in your mind, then you have a basis to believe God, and now you can start to expect that it'll happen today. Just like your kids are expecting today to open, the, you know, Christmas morning, they expect to open their present. They will not be told to wait till tomorrow. They will not be, listen, I'm, it's a silly analogy, but it's very good. It really works. It holds water. Your kids, just try it this Christmas. Wrap your presents. Get a mountain of them in the living room and just stack them up high. Say, hey, it's Christmas morning. We're all excited. Christmas. You guys have to wait till December 25th, 6th, whatever. We do it different in our house. <laughs> You guys have to wait till December 26th to open these. See what kind of wildfire you have on your hands at that moment. These children are not going to be told to wait. Why? Their expectation has been getting primed for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And so now when the moment of experience happens, they're not going to be told no. It ought to 
it be the same with you when you read what the Bible says about what God has made available to you? That you get a defensive position in your heart that says, I'm not waiting until tomorrow. I'm not going to wait till I get to heaven to get healed. I'm not going to wait till next month to get this marriage fixed. I'm not going to wait till next year to figure out which direction I'm supposed to go in life. No, the Bible says that the Spirit of God lives in me right now and He directs my steps. So I'm not going to be told to wait till tomorrow. That's what expectation looks like. Don't confuse that with desire. Just because we want something super bad. Go to the word. Find out what God has said about the thing your heart is desiring for. And now you got something to stand on. Mark chapter 5. Suppose if I ask you to turn there, I should probably turn there myself. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Jesus is walking with a huge group of people on his way to the home of a gentleman named Jairus. And the, the, the gentleman named Jairus, I want to kind of give you the backdrop of the story for a second so that you realize and see what an intense situation this actually was for the woman who got healed, okay? He's traveling with this gentleman named Jairus. Jairus is a ruler, a leader, a ruler in the synagogue. And Jairus has got a problem at home, and he's asked Jesus to come with him to fix the problem. So Jesus said, I'll go, no problem. And they're all walking together. And the story starts here, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Stop right there for a second. When you read in the Bible, this is Bible nerd information that may help you someday. When you read in the Bible, a certain woman, a certain man, a certain person, when it uses that word in the Greek, it means that that person was a real person who was actually still living at the time that the text was being written. So there's, this is an easy way for you to tell the difference between when Jesus is telling a parable or when the writer is telling you a story that actually happened. A certain woman had a flow of blood. This isn't allegorical. This isn't a, you know, this, this isn't a parable. This isn't an allegory for the kingdom. This is a real lady who had a very real problem and went to Jesus to get the problem fixed. And at the time that Mark wrote this, which was some 50 years after Jesus had already finished his work and gone back up to heaven, this lady was apparently still alive when he wrote this. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had a menstrual cycle that didn't stop for over a decade. And she'd suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. This is a bad situation. Not only is she in a terrible situation physically, not only is she in a terrible situation mentally, not only is her, is her whole world falling down around her, physically and in her mind. I mean, can you imagine how discouraging it would be? Go to every doctor in Jerusalem and not one of them's got an answer. And on top of that, 
My healthcare provider didn't cover the cost of those visits, and so I've actually spent everything that I have trying to get an answer. I can't get an answer, and during this whole thing, this problem keeps getting worse. We get discouraged when the line is too long at Chick-fil-A, but whatever. This lady was really discouraged, not just suffering in her physical body, but suffering in her mind, suffering in her heart. She needs Jesus. She needs a touch from Jesus. On top of all that, she, according to Hebrew law and according to Hebrew custom, was unclean. Unclean. That means she cannot be legally in public. And if she is legally in public, she has to announce the fact that she's unclean so that nobody will get near her. Because that's what the law of the land dictated at that time. This lady is in trouble. She's in trouble. However, she heard about Jesus. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, you see, when, 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 some, when word got to her ears about this man named Jesus who fixes people like me, what happened? She was given the choice to believe. Her faith started the moment that she heard about Jesus. Just the mention of how good Jesus was, was enough to plant the seed of faith in this woman's heart. Let's keep reading. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. See, the Bible uses descriptive language and we just read right over it sometimes. Jesus was in a crowd. He had people all around him. She's not supposed to be in a crowd. She's, actively, she's got an active wound that's bleeding and doesn't stop bleeding ever. She's supposed to tell everybody on that street, on that block, that she's unclean. But something on the inside of her had shifted. Something called faith inside of her stopped paying attention to the circumstances and started to get laser focused on all I got to do is get to Jesus. So I will literally take my life in my own hands to get to him. This is why I have a problem praying for people in the parking lot after the service is over. FYI. I'm just going to tell you. That's why I don't like to do that stuff. This woman got to a place of desperation and her faith rose up and she said, I'll go at any cost to get to Jesus. Until we get to the any cost level of faith, we're just playing games. We're just playing church speak. Until we get to that place of it's either Jesus or I'm a goner. It's just playing. <laughs> Didn't mean to get so intense. <laughs> she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, 
if only I may touch his clothes, what, what, what are these last five words? I shall be made well. Not I hope I'm made well. Not there's a good, my odds increase if I can get to him and touch his clothes. No, there is a very, very definitive expectation, a line in the sand drawn by this woman where she says, if I touch his garment, I'm healed. There was no gray area, folks. No gray area. Listen, your faith is not going to work in a bunch of gray area. Well, I, you know, if Jesus will heal me, if he'll save me, if he'll do this, that'll be great. Just in case, I'm going to have plan B, C, D, E, and F. Some of us get really in-depth and we get to double A, double B, double C in all of our plans. No, man, you're not going to have 30 escape routes and get something from God. I'm digging myself a hole here. Y'all still love me? Okay. What I'm trying to say is that God is a God of absolutes. Either we believe him and we expect it to work, or we don't. Hallelujah. She said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. What happens in the very next verse? Immediately. 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 This is the word that will put to rest the maybe not me, maybe not today. This is the word which should squash those thoughts in our minds. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body she had been healed of the affliction. Do you see what faith does when faith on purpose removes all the other alternatives? A.W. Tozer said, real faith is when you put yourself in a position that the only option left is to believe God. All other is fake faith, or what the Bible calls feigned faith. If you go read the book of James, immediately. This is what faith and expectation look like when they're used together. Her faith made her well. Watch what Jesus said. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. I got to keep moving. Y'all doing okay? I'm over my time, but I don't care. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. And what? There's another immediately in this verse. Immediately Jesus, knowing within himself that power had gone out from him, turned around into the press and said, who touched my clothes? He didn't say who touched me. He said, who touched my clothes? In other words, Jesus knew exactly what was going on. All these people bumping into Jesus. We're just walking down the street and, the, and you know, trying to get to Jairus' house. And there's people jostling and bumping into him. And he's walking. And all of a sudden he goes, hey, which one of you touched my clothes? Which one of you, which one of you got power out of my garment? Which one of you? Somebody just got healed. Who was it? Awesome. It's awesome. 
You know why I love this scripture so much? You know why I love this story in particular so much? It's because Jesus did not initiate this healing. She did. Jesus didn't initiate this healing. He was walking to Jairus' house, bumping into people on the way. And somebody grabbed a hold of his robe and, set, and, and got the power that she needed out of it. But his disciples said, here's, here's the, all the people around him thinking natural. Listen, every time you get a supernatural vision, just understand that there's going to be people around you not thinking supernatural. There's going to be people around you, good-hearted, well-intentioned disciples who are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean who touched me? They didn't even quote him right. He said, who touched my clothes? They said, what do you mean who touched me? Jesus is like, that's not what he said. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Verse 32. Oh, this is so good. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. Can I ask you, why in the world was she fearing and trembling? Do you remember who Jesus was walking with? The ruler of the synagogue. He was walking with the guy who has the right to turn around and put this unclean woman to death. Jairus has the legal authority to turn around and say, okay, everybody, we got an unclean woman in our midst. Everybody get a stone. Let's take her down. What, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? She falls down, tells him the whole truth. She's fearing and trembling because she's waiting for the backhand. And what does he say? Daughter. Not woman, not hey lady, what do you what's the big idea? And he said, daughter, my daughter, your faith made you well. He didn't say, kudos, lady, you got some of my power, now get out of here before the mob tries to stone you. He didn't say, good job, sweetheart. You got, a, you got one over on the big guy. You stole a little bit of power while I wasn't looking. Good job. No. He congratulated her faith. He congratulated her faith. He made sure she knew that her faith and her expectation were the things that made her well. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, Go in peace. Don't go in judgment. Don't go in condemnation. Don't feel bad because you got something from God that he said you could have in the first place. How many of your kids feel guilty when you give them the cookie that, they, that you told them they, they could have? I had a conversation with one of my best friends this week, and he, and, and he was talking about these decisions that they're making. And I said, listen, bro, you got to give yourself permission to get excited about the good things that God has in your future. Don't feel guilty about when, when the Lord wants to give you something, and you go ahead by faith and receive it, and you experience it, and now you're filled with joy. Don't let religion come and whack you on the hand and say, you shouldn't have touched his garment. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. In other words, 
Don't ever let this, don't ever struggle with this again. You're all right. You're good. I want to express to you and suppose to you this morning that her faith made her well, but her expectation made her move. It was her faith that made her well. Don't get confused. It wasn't her desire. It wasn't her expectation that made her well. It was her faith that made her well. That's what Jesus said. But it was her expectation that made her do something. You see, expectation, hope in God, is the catalyst to to get us and stir us out of our apathy. So many of us on paper, we believe God wants our community saved. We believe. We believe what the Bible says. If I, if I pointed out 10 different scriptures and 10 different promises from the scripture to you, there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises in the pages of this scripture. If I pointed out any of them to you, most of us would be like, I believe that. But there's a disconnect between what we believe and what we expect. And that's where the devil likes to hang out, in our apathy. Her faith made her well. Her expectation made her move. Expectation, hope, is the bridge between faith and works. Between believing and action. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about practical examples of this. We're going to continue in this idea of faith and expectation. Do you want to know why? Because I want you to get to the place in your own life where you believe God without beyond a shadow of every doubt what it is that he has in store for your life, that you just believe him, that you trust him. And then... I want that belief to become so real to you that you're willing to actually act on it. Because, that, because I, I look four weeks down the road from now when we're having Easter service and I'm going to preach, by the way, can I let you in on a little secret? I'm going to preach John 10.10. 10. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. We're going to declare to every person in here and every person watching via live stream on Easter weekend that he that hath the Son has life. That Jesus came to give you life and that more abundant. And you know what my expectation is? You know what my belief is? That we're going to see a lot of people give their lives to Jesus for the first time. So I want to stir your faith. And more importantly, I want to stir your expectation so that together... We do what it takes to make sure everybody's here and to make sure people are watching, to make sure that people are able to receive. Can you stand up to your feet this morning? Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.